Here we are. 12.01. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Um, I, I'm sure I don't have to remind everybody to please turn off the ringer on your cell phones. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge that SACPA events take place uh, on the lands of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. SACPA and I hope all of us here in this room commit to do our utmost to assist with efforts to amend and heal past and present injustices. My name is Chelsea Sherbet. Um, the format for today's presentation is not different from the usual format. Half an hour presentation, half an hour lunch, half an hour Q&A session. The entire event uh, is recorded. I guess not lunch. Lunch is not recorded. Uh, the, the meal today is a chicken pot pie and the lunch cost is $14 if you could put that into your basket or $2 if you're just having coffee. Uh, let's see here. I'm gonna introduce you to our speaker today who I am really excited to listen to. Vicki Hazelwood is the coordinator of the Lethbridge Early Years Coalition and is passionate about children having a great start in life and fostering healthy families. She is also the coordinator for Building Brains Together, which is a play project out of the neuroscience department at the University of Lethbridge. Her talk today is on the importance of play and are children getting enough play time? So without further ado, I am thrilled to have Vicki come up and present to us. Thanks, Chelsea. And thank you for the warm welcome. I'm really excited to be here today and have this opportunity to talk to you about a very fun topic, play. So before I get into the whole play aspect, I wanted to just give you a little context of who I am uh, with my Lethbridge Early Years hat on. Um, our Early Childhood Coalition is one of 98 in the province of Alberta that is working to bring awareness of just how important early childhood development is. We really know that, um, well, we, we do all our work based on the science that shows that 90% of critical brain development happens during the first five years of a child's life. So what we've learned is that through science, um, they've discovered that a child's experiences and environment during the first five years of life have a lifelong impact on everything from their physical and mental health, their success in school, in relationships, as well as in the workforce. So we know that these first years of life are super important and uh, we want to, as a com community, really work together to make sure that all children have a great start. So our coalition is made up of organizations, of community members that are passionate about seeing children thrive. And these are examples of some of our members. Something we often talk about as a coalition is the EDI. And the reason I'm bringing this up is it does play into the play charter. Our early development instrument, has anyone heard of that? A couple people, great. So the early development instrument is a tool that's used by kindergarten teachers in the second part of the school year to assess how children are doing developmentally in five different areas. So these are the areas of development that they look at. And what we know for Lethbridge is that one in four of our children are reaching kindergarten uh, vulnerable or at risk of difficulties and struggles in these areas of development. So we wanna see that change. And the most recent collection of EDI data in Lethbridge shows that emotional maturity is a real area 
where we have the most children uh, vulnerable or at risk. So one way of combating um, emotional maturity and, and building it up and strengthening it for children is play. So that's what uh, started to start the conversation around our table as a coalition of how can we make play a priority? Because we know if children are playing more, then their emotional maturity, their social skills, all of those things increase and are stronger. So I'm gonna move into play here and I'm gonna ask you to just uh, turn to a neighbor for a second. I want you to think back to your early, child, or early childhood and your play experiences. Uh, think of one experience in play that was a favorite, favorite play time and just share it with a neighbor. You only have 15 seconds, so you have to do it quickly. <laughs> so if you think back to how you used to play, Okay, I have to keep this uh, pretty brief here, but with a show of hands, when you think of your favorite play experience as a child, how many people's play experience was outside? Wow, almost everyone, okay. How many had their parents right next, next to them watching them? No one. <laughs> so that, that's interesting, okay. <laughs> Well, we know that times have changed and really play has changed. So here's a cartoonist rendition of play and how it's changed. And I think we all see that around us. So we're gonna look at what is play. Now there is play on electronics, right? Kids can engage in games and things on electronics. Organized sports, that's an excellent form of play where children learn all kinds of skills and the toys. There's lots of toys, lots of plastic in this picture. Um, and we know that those um, are, are seen as play as well. So I'm gonna be talking about a form of play, uh, mostly focusing on more unstructured play. Just showing you a quick video here. Fellas, have a good weekend. Fix my tractor's water pump with baling wire and chewing gum. That's how you do it. I reeled in a trophy fish. Taught that fish a lesson. Well, I built brain. I reinforced positive neural pathways and built a foundation for good emotional, social, and cognitive function. How do I build a brain? Peekaboo works good. <laughs> <laughs> So peekaboo, building brains through games. Um, and that's what we're gonna look at here, how, how brains are built through play. So when we created the Lethbridge Play Charter, uh, together with stakeholders in the community, we had conversations about what is play. And we believe play is limitless, fun, spontaneous, freely chosen, challenging, inclusive, and flexible, adaptable, imaginative, creative, self-directed, and undertaken for its own sake. So that means there's no real agenda to this play, it's just for fun. In the United Nations Articles of Rights for the Children, um, Article 31 states that children have the right to play. They have the right to leisure time and space and time to play. And that government needs to work at making sure they reduce barriers that stand in the way of that. So play is so important that uh, it was included in these rights of children. 
we asked some kids why is play important here in Lethbridge. Uh, JP age 11 said, for developing my brain and imagination. Jolie age three said, because little kids like to play, also to take everything out, but we put our toys away after. <laughs> Blake age four said, because it gets your energy out. And Olivia age six said, play is important because it's fun. So I'm gonna touch on six benefits of play. There are tons of benefits, but I'm gonna just highlight six. So building, our play builds imagination and creativity. When you look at these pictures, you see children, maybe they got bored at home, uh, they were just hanging around, and then they realized that they could use their creative imagination to uh, take out the pots and pans and make a band. The boy on the other side has, he's in the laundry bin with a toilet paper roll and he's transformed into a pirate. So when children get bored, uh, it's okay because it fosters that chance for them to solve some problems, figure out what to do, and uh, they get pretty creative. Play fosters cognitive growth. A lot could be said about this, but I'm just going to briefly touch on, uh, it's amazing that the amount of play a child has actually affects the complexity of cells in the prefrontal cortex. So uh, play really fosters brain growth. And in fact, certain studies are showing that through play, uh, children's brains, if they have been damaged through uh, excess stress or trauma, can actually receive healing and the cell regeneration through, um, through play. So play is powerful. Play reaps emotional and behavioral benefits. A number of you have probably heard um, about the anxiety of children today and that it's on a rise. And in a recent article in Psychology Today, Peter, or Dr. Gray talks about how the decline in play has really resulted in the rise of mental disorders for children, including anxiety and depression. So children and youth tend to have a, a stronger ability to cope with stress and traumatic events uh, when they've had a lot of unstructured play in their life. And play facilitates group interactions. So here you see some kids playing together. On your left, uh, the children are working in the garden. And these type of interactions uh, result in some conflict at times. And then they have to negotiate who's going to use the rake first. They have to work out these problems. They have to talk with each other and socialize and, and learn to um, build those skills. And on the other side, you see the rough and tumble play. Dr. Pellis talks a lot about this type of social play as his research is on that. And really, uh, this is foundational for children learning a lot of social skills. Um, they, these kids have the smiles on their faces, they're having fun. But if all of a sudden someone kicks someone and someone gets hurt, well then that child's gonna not wanna play with the other child anymore. And they start to, start to learn how to treat each other and how to respect each other. And they know their limits and they start to learn about others' limits as well. Play encourages greater independence. Uh, children need to, in time, become more and more independent from their caregiver and parent. And as parents step back and allow children to play, 
then they can explore. And you can see in this picture the children climbing, the parent might be in the background a little bit, but they're uh, exploring their limits. How high can they climb? What can they explore? And here's a girl, she's climbing a tree. She might fall, but she's learning her limits as well. And we're going to journey with this boy. He's trying to decide, should he cross this stream? And you can't quite tell in this picture, but he's wearing snowshoes. So he's trying to decide, should I do it or should I not? Um, so he's assessing the risks. If he jumps, he might fall in. So he decides that he's going to test his skills and challenge himself, and he makes it across. So he's developed some eye-hand coordination, gross motor skills, and he's aware of what his body is capable of. So if he comes to a stream again, he's going to know, yeah, I did it before, I can make it across. Had he fallen, he would have learned from that as well. Play promotes physical fitness. Uh, right now, we have a very sedentary uh, society with children and youth. They're not as active um, as they need to be. And Participation Canada does a, a report card each year. And right now, we're sitting at um, D minus D plus each year after year. So what they're saying is that our children are not as active as they need to be. Uh, just to tell you some of the stats, they're saying that 5 to 11-year-olds and 17 or 12 to 17-year-olds are on screens 2.3 hours to 4.1 hours a day. So that's recreational screen use that they are instead not being outside playing or moving or being active. So only 35% of children ages 5 to 17 are, are at the recommended level of physical activity in Canada. And so that means 65% are not. They're below the level of activity. And the reality is that through physical activity and play outside and moving and movement, uh, children are able to concentrate better in school. They're better able to focus. And um, in fact, there's an interesting study that shows um, that exercise can also help with things like uh, their test scores because they're able to focus better and things like that. Here's a fun cartoon. When I was your age, I got more exercise. I had to walk all the way to the TV to change the channel. <laughs> so why is play on the decline? Uh, one of the possible uh, reasons, or one of the reasons we do know, is technology. Uh, technology is replacing a lot of active play for children. And when you look around, if you're at the mall or you're at a restaurant, you see a lot of kids on a tablet, on screens. Um, and that, the more they get outside, the more often they're going to be active, the longer they're going to play. So uh, we, we continue to, as parents, as community members, as caregivers, have to figure out how do we navigate through technology and setting limits and balance in the technology use with our children. Another, uh, or another reason for the decline of play is the risk. Uh, we live in a fairly risk-adverse um, society. And here's this cartoonist is saying, don't forget the sunblock, stay hydrated, don't breathe the smog, watch for E. coli. Do you have your cell? Play outside is not what it used to be. So things have changed. And I love this uh, graphic here. It's showing four generations of the freedom to roam. So when you look at the big uh, picture, or the big 
um, shape on there. That's George, a great-grandfather in 1919. That's how far he was able to roam around his house to play. So he was allowed to walk six miles to go fishing. Now his son, Jack, in 1950, was able to walk about one mile on his own to the woods. Jack's, Jack's daughter, Vicki, at age eight, was allowed in 1979 to go uh, to the swimming pool about half a mile away. And then after that, uh, Vicky's son, Ed, is now eight and only allowed to go to the end of his block. And that was in about early 2000s. So we know that's probably even shrunk to the backyard uh, now. So, so things, you know, the freedom of, to roam for children has changed over time. And this is, has significant effects on children. So I'm gonna touch on risk a little bit. What is risky play? Uh, Dr. Bassoni is someone I've had the pleasure of hearing from a number of times um, at conferences, and she has done some brilliant research out of UBC on risk and play. And she describes risky play as a thrilling and exciting play that can include the possibility of physical injury. So it offers opportunity for challenge, test limits, and boundaries. So you see the joy plus fear equals a thrill. So here's some kids, uh, they've built a tower and he's jumping off. You know that he's experiencing a thrill, right? Uh, that's pretty fun and he might, he might fall, but he's testing his limits. He's probably done this before and is well aware that he can jump off okay. And here's another boy, he's built himself a little balance beam. There's seven or six categories in risky play. Uh, the risk of getting lost, hide and seek, that's a favorite game for all children. That, that little, um, the thrill of being sort of hidden, not knowing someone's gonna find you. Great heights, the thrill of high speeds, whether it's running down a hill or rolling down a hill fast, using dangerous tools. And we're not suggesting that children are all given hammers and saws here. Uh, they need to be supervised, um, but they, with supervision, can learn to use tools and as they get older, are more competent and confident to do that. Dangerous elements, and then the rough and tumble play as well. So here's a boy, he's climbed up a tree and he's feeling good about himself because he d he's tried uh, to climb up and, and can now see that he can do that. So are children today uh, taking risks? What we're seeing is that there is a decline in risky play. So the decline in risky play is really resulting in a rise in the emotional disorders. The impact of this is that it's eliminating, we're eliminating the risk of children, and then that leads to um, the inability to assess danger. So a child that, is, that the parent or the caregiver removes all obstacles in front of them, all risks, uh, later down the road, when they're independently out on their own, uh, maybe at school, they don't know how to assess risk because they haven't learned those skills. Unhealthy risk-taking is also um, 
seen through Dr. Brassoni's work, she's done research on this and seen that uh, if a child, again, doesn't build those risk-taking skills at an earlier age through healthy risk-taking, like climbing a tree or up on a rock and climbing across a, a creek like we saw in that picture, if children are not taking those risks, then later on, they're starting to um, try to, there's petty crime or drinking, they experiment with other risk-taking because it's an inert need for us. We want that thrill uh, that risky play allows. So this is something that is, is, is showing more and more. Dr. Brissoni has also done a lot of research on are our fears legitimate? Our fear of children being injured, perhaps, at the playground. And her research is showing that three hours, if a child plays three hours a day for 10 years, the stats show that one medically treated incident will likely happen. So uh, that's, that's not a lot. And then the odds, the another concern that parents raise is abduction. Um, and we hear about it on the media, through, through um, our world shrinking, and, it, and it's a scary thought as a parent. But in fact, the statistics show that one in 14 million are the odds of a total stranger abduction based on the RCMP reports for Canada. And that's with Dr. Bersoni's work as well. So here you see the bubble-wrapped child. <laughs> and I can be guilty of this as a parent. I don't want my children to be hurt. Um, so, you know, this work has informed my parenting as well, uh, just learning that they really need to develop these risk-taking skills. And I think the greatest, if you can walk away with this line, um, I think it's an important one. We need to move from as safe as possible to as safe as necessary. And it's a challenge and it's a process, but it's important. So here we have a certified safety tea play chamber. This child is being instructed to frolic harder. harder. <laughs> so we know that childhood is changing, uh, but the need to play really is not. We know that play is foundational and essential for healthy childhood development. So back in 2017, I'm going to talk a little bit about the play charter. Back in 2017, the International Play Association Conference was here in Calgary, Alberta. Now that's unique because this year, for instance, it's in India. Last year it was in Ireland. But this was a huge opportunity. A number of our leaders went to Calgary, went to the play conference, and learned about from top minds about how important play is. They came back and the conversation started. How can we make play a priority in Lethbridge for all of our community and raise awareness of just how important play is in children's development? So we got together uh, with 25 organizations and started to create the play charter. Once it was created after 10 months, here on my right, we have a copy of it. Uh, we brought it to the uh, city council and City Council unanimously adopted the play charter signed by the mayor and then began to provide resources, staffing time, um, as well as meeting space to have the Lethbridge Plays Group come together as stakeholders to figure out how can we put action to this play charter. So over the past year, we've had the pleasure of translating the play charter into nine different languages that are prevalent in our community. 
as well. We've been at community events, having conversations with parents and uh, caregivers and grandparents, lots of people, just to raise awareness of the shift in play and how we need to move back to making play a priority. Uh, we know uh, through James Hexman was an economist and his work shows that if we can invest um, early on into children's lives, money, and to prioritize things like play, then we actually save money down the road. I'm gonna show, close here with a quick video on the play. Can you hear that okay? What did you create? Who it's made pretty the quiet. Rules? As the saying goes, times have changed. Play has changed. The Lethbridge Play Charter has a vital role in bringing play back to our community. A play charter is a document that explains why we believe play is important and how we can work together to create a community that supports and encourages all kinds of play for every child and youth in Lethbridge. Play charters are a worldwide movement several countries around the world, as well as provinces and cities in Canada, such as Calgary, have adopted play charters to influence city planning, policy, and decision-making. The Lethbridge Play Charter is built on the United Nations Article 31, Children's Right to Play. When we play, we explore the amazing world around us and also learn about ourselves. Many people in our culture think that play isn't that important, but Science shows that play is essential for us to grow physically, socially, and emotionally. The work that we've been doing in Lethbridge over the past four years, we've been working in a play project where we've put together a curriculum of activities that are playful so adults can interact with children in meaningful ways that help develop their executive function and self-regulation. And so what we've discovered, because we've done pre and post testing in these children, is that they have better problem solving, they do better with personal and social relationship communication, and they also have better skills regarding their own emotional regulations. And so play is, is fundamental for all of these very, very important reasons. Early development instrument data shows that by the age of six, approximately one in four children in Lethbridge are identified as at risk for lifelong emotional, physical, and relational struggles. The most significant challenge our children face is emotional maturity. Research attributes poor scores in this area to excessive screen time and lack of opportunities for unstructured play. We need to bring back play. The Lethbridge Play Charter was developed with over 25 local organizations and agencies. The City Council of Lethbridge unanimously adopted the Lethbridge Play Charter in the fall of 2018. Today, organizations, local businesses, parents, and community members are working together to make play a priority in Lethbridge. When we play, we learn how to make better decisions, test boundaries, explore risks, and we learn how to respect others. Play is a lifelong skill. Play is important for us because it makes us strong and healthy, and it helps us become better leaders and citizens in our community. Through play, we learn the skills necessary to thrive as adults. Show us how you play today. Think back. 
So if you're interested in learning more about the play charter, lethbridgeplays.ca, uh, you can visit that and see what's happening. We would welcome anyone interested in coming to uh, some of the committee meetings and being part of the conversation. And just want to leave you with some thoughts here. What is one thing you can do to prioritize play in your life, work, or network? How can you become a play champion? We all need to work together to make play a priority. Uh, you likely have uh, children in your neighborhood, in your life, uh, that you can encourage as well, and even parents and other caregivers. There's my contact information, as well as the Lethbridge Plays. And so as um, a person on the early, as a coordinator at the Early Childhood Coalition, I am just one of many stakeholders on the Lethbridge Plays Committee. Uh, so we're made up of lots of organizations, one of which is Lethbridge Early Years, but uh, that gives you our information if you have any questions. Thank you very much.